You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocals of Crypt Top C, and you're listening to my podcast, Vox and Hops, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians and talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. I hope that you had a good rest of the week. I have had a good rest of the week. Last night, I was at the Shadow of Intense Signs of the Swarm and Fairy and Brand of Sacrifice show here in Montreal. It was a great night. I got a bunch of interviews done. I'm super stoked to share those with all of you. They have just about another week left on this tour. If you can get out to it, you should absolutely go check them out. It's an awesome lineup full of great people, excellent musicians, and awesome fucking bands. Devastation on the Nation 2020 is less than two months away. This year's lineup features Rotting Christ, Bork Nagar, Wolfheart, Abigail Williams, and Imperial Triumphant. This tour is brought to you by Continental Touring, Metal Festival Tours, and yours truly, the Vox and Hops Podcast. Some of these shows have already sold out, and I can guarantee you that more of them will sell out. So if you do not have your tickets to this year's Devastation on the Nation, you should absolutely go and grab them right now via the link in the description of this podcast, or you could simply go to www.metalfestivaltours.com and pick them up, because trust me, this is a party that you do not want to miss. Today on the podcast, I'm with one of Montreal's most important figures, someone that has been there since the beginning of this scene back in the early 90s. Today on Vox and Hops, I am with Stephen Henry of Naraxis Alumni, Urban Aliens, and many, many more bands. Here it is, Vox and Hops, episode number 105. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? Uh, I'm Matt, the vocals of Cryptopsy, and you're listening to my podcast, Vox and Hops, and today I'm sitting down with Stephen Henry from many, many projects, a true Montreal uh, elite from the scene from back in the day, very important to the Montreal scene, someone that I've been wanting to sit down with and have a conversation with since the beginning of this podcast. How are you, Stephen? I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. Thank you very much. Super happy to be with you. You are, uh, as I said, very important to the Montreal scene. Let's take it all the way back to the beginning. How did you get caught up into this whole death metal Montreal scene? Oh, well, let's go back way in time in 1994 uh, when I moved to Montreal. It's been 25 years now, 26 in the 2020. So I moved to Montreal, start a, well, continuing a death metal project, which I was... Uh, doing in Granby. I, I lived two years in Granby before before moving to Montreal. So um, Norexis uh, appeared during that era. And many other projects which I was playing guitar for a folk rock band called Hangover. Which I made my first show in my life in Montreal at the JLS with them. Not with Norexis. But you know. Hey, you got to start somewhere. Hey, hey. There's, no, there's no wrong way to start getting on stage. The first step is always getting on stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How much do you think the scene has evolved from back in the early 90s until now? Uh, it's much complicated. Uh, well, it's, there are many more bands. Uh, there's, uh, it's well more organized. Uh, I think Montreal's on the international map now. I think everybody knows. But back then was like a little bit like uh, very underground and uh, not sure if people would understand Montreal as well. 
but uh, it turned out pretty good, as you might see. <laughs> yeah. But um, was there like a sense of uh, camaraderie the way there is now? Everyone was helping themselves get shows going, or was it more of like a, a competitive edge? It's a little bit hard to... Um remember because I was uh, doing a lot of stuff uh, such like drugs and alcohol so uh, I have like a little Lord warm moment uh, <laughs> on my on my end but uh, yeah yeah uh, today is way better it's like I remember back then was like there was like the Frenchies from the east side and the Anglo from the west side which I remember and we don't the, the scene I think was not very big back then so everybody was doing their own thing with their own uh clan i would say but uh with years come we got well more uh, along and uh the scene is pretty pretty packed and uh i think uh the brotherhood is pretty pretty strong now. I think it's very apparent that uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, one of the reasons that I, when I started this podcast, I used to always ask people from Montreal if they feel like there's a division between the French and the English scene, and everyone always told me no. Today, no, no. yeah. But back in the day, there was a more clear defined. Yeah, it was like I don't know how to describe it. Uh, I think it's just like because we never cross path that much. Unless we're going to the back street, which I would say would be the ground zero, which and the Anglo and the Franco would meet there, I think, and Fofon Electric. Of course, yes. And it's also like a matter of, as the years go by, the true players and the most talented people from each band, or at least the most determined ones, will stick around. Yeah. And then eventually you'll end up mingling and being like, oh, that guy's not just French or you English, know. he's a fucking sick guitar player. And I want him in my band. Yeah, so I think that's well, something that happens. We get too. entangled uh, now. Yeah. Pretty in, entangled uh, as a scene. So I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty happy uh, the turnout. I get asked this question all the time: Is being from Montreal? Why do I? Is it such a hotbed? Why do so many bands come from here? I have my answer. I'm curious what yours answer. What your answer would be? Oh boy, uh, Metal Injection asked me the same thing. I was a little bit like, uh, mm, it's very hard to pinpoint. Uh, since I'm in the inside since 25 years I, I saw things growing bit by bit but uh, why Montreal it's it's very hard to say but I, what I can say is because the culture is uh, it's a mix of the, the states and Europe uh, this is the one point uh, I can tell uh, maybe because we're close to the states uh, I don't know. There's there's a lot of things. Montreal is a very diverse uh, city. It's not only for metal, for punk, alternative, hip hop, and now uh, for synth, uh, new 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 kind of music like the synth uh, synthesizer. Uh, yeah, yeah, like synth synth wave. Uh, I always think that a lot of it like boils down to those early scenes meshing together. Uh, BCI doing what they did for the scene was huge especially now in like my generation of, of musicians yeah. grew up at those shows met each other at those shows saw big acts coming through and got exposed to those acts and that's why they you know they mingled and they learned and they were inspired by all these people so it's thanks to uh, Steph from BCI you used to work for BCI uh, well when BCI started it was uh, under the moniker of Brave uh, not Brave Concert International but Bloody Corpse uh, 
Bloody Corpse. It was BC, BC Prod. Got it, got it, yeah. I was working from almost day one for Stéphane Melul with uh, Robin Tremblay from Necronomicon. We were there since almost day one, helping him uh, for free, like for flyers, uh, at shows, I'm um, doing stage hands and stuff like that. And then they put our bands to help us too. Uh, back then, it was like, not that has a big scene, not a lot of big players who want to put their guts on the line. Uh, Stéphane is one of the, uh, the first. And there was uh, Paget William from Greenland. I w he was doing a lot of punk rock shows, but he was doing a couple death metal uh, shows. Uh, Fogel Sabourin, Evenco, Tiny Bit. So there was, uh, there was a lot of room. So BCI took a lot of room and brought uh, Montreal a little bit higher. Uh, it, it became like an, an optimal place for tourists to stop. Yeah, yeah. Stefan yeah. Melis, a hard-working man. Now he lives in L.A. Yeah, shout out to Steph. Yes. Yeah, right. yeah. Now he's doing the Continental Concerts, touring. yeah, and Continental Concerts <coughs> USA and in Europe as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's go back and let's talk about some beer to start. We are at Saint Buck Brasserie Artisanale, one of my favorite tap rooms from Montreal. Yeah, it's so always an easy choice for to me. come here. I know that you like this beer, so I ordered it even before you came in. It's the Russian Imperial Porter. Yeah, La Bonne Rip from oh. 2017. Oh boy, delicious, boozy, oh. uh, black like our souls. Yeah, um, pretty dark. Slightly creaming, little coffee, but more booze on the top. Yeah, absolutely delicious. Are you a craft beer enthusiast? I know that you are. Uh, I feel like you're a newer craft beer enthusiast. Uh, I was like, I'm, I'm an average guy for everything in life, uh, for for music or for uh, different talent. As for for beer, I would say that I know a little, and I'm still craving to know more. But uh, my memory is not very, very. Uh, um, Reliable. Sometimes <laughs> it's like, oh, I drink this at the Mondial de Bière and I forgot the name. It's always about that. So I'm taking pictures. So that's why you see on my Instagram pictures. So when it's fresh, my memory, I'm going to comment, going to say it. This is like something that helps me for my memory. So I have many albums on my Facebook. So some people are thinking, like, <laughs> what are you doing? It's like, and uh, well, the toilet picture, this is a. Uh, a more personal thing but, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get to that one after yeah, okay. hold on <laughs> but as far for beer um it's been a couple years um getting into it more and more uh since there's lots lots more to offer and there's many places and beer convention uh, which we met at least three times this year that's correct um so um so I, you in the past, I used to love like those like white beer and red red ale, and then I turned to the the dark side, <laughs> stout and uh, damn stout. <laughs> They're so good, so sneakily delicious. Oh yeah, yeah, especially uh, Saint Buck, uh, la double malédiction, la double malédiction tabarnak. Ça fait mal. Ouch. <laughs> this one is very, is one of the best, uh, I would say. And then, like, there's uh, the Vox Populi, uh, Stout, amazing. Shelton, it's amazing. Uh, Brasseur uh, du Monde, they had a couple one. Barbary, 
La Robe Noire and uh, the list goes on. Yeah, we're very lucky here. As, as much as we're, we're gifted with having a bunch of metal bands come from here, there's a bunch of amazing craft beer coming from here. There's a lot of uh, friends of ours doing their own beer now. They have their own pub. Yeah, shout out to Le Fermenteur. Fermenteur uh, up north and uh, in Saint-Henri. Uh, Masorum Brassatorium. Yeah, absolutely killing it right now. Yeah, uh, yeah. they're very strong with the IPA. Uh, I use not liking IPA, but since La Nord-Est, I would say that, uh, okay, there's something that that, that grapefruit thing. So... Uh, But I'm picky. Uh, I'm not drinking all kind of IPA, but uh, at the one at the Saint-Henri. Masorum Brassatoriums. Yeah, they're, 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 they're killing it right now. Lineups around the corner. People from The Last Felony, from uh, Ion Dissonance started that. Uh, it's uh, definitely a microbrewery up here in Quebec for everyone to keep their eye on and to try to grab some. You can only get some on-site, though, so you're going to have to go stand in line to get some of those releases. It's within a day or two... They sell all their cans, and they, they make a new design almost each, each week. It's super sick. It's, it's a very different concept, very totally different. Take me back to your first beer. You say you don't have such a reliable memory. Do you remember your first beer? My first beer? Uh, well, I didn't remember, but my father reminded me because uh, I, was, uh, I was six. Wow. Okay. So, um, <laughs> different era. Yeah, different era. My my father used to live in, uh, well, he's dead, but he used to live in Pointe Calumet. And uh, my, my parents are divorced. My mom used to live in saint agathe des monts So you make a drive to drop me at my mom's. And I was like asking for something to drink in a the car. There was only <laughs> beer. So he gave me a Labat 50. Which is a good place to start. It's my best yeah, of the worst. It's pretty sugary. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I got I got drunk with one beer and my mom was very upset. I can imagine so. Yes, <laughs> I can imagine so. But uh, the next time I drank uh, beer, I think was maybe around sixteen, seventeen. So uh, I was not a very much uh, uh, alcohol uh, consumer until I was like 16, 17, and then 21. Uh, was that like a coinciding of, of hitting the metal scene here in Montreal? Uh, yes, yes, yes. When I moved to Montreal in uh, late 93, early 94, went to bars and stuff like that. But there was not that much craft beer back then. It was like, you know, Molson, Labatt. I think it was uh, Boreal was kind of be around. I think Boreal is from 91. I'm not sure. It's around that time, yeah, for sure, yeah. They were definitely like the biggest of the micro brews. Yeah. But back then, I was not looking for taste. I was looking for the percentage. So Efficiency. So there was those like ugly beer, uh, uh, La Boule Max, uh, Saint-Idaise, Colt, Colt 43, Colt 45. Yes. Which are very strong beer. I cannot even smell them without puking my mouth. Just, today, pure, just having flashbacks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got so it was like one liter, one liter 15, something like that. It's like big bottle. So it's like four or five bucks. Take two, you're done. <laughs> so you eventually got Naraxis up and running. Yeah. That started doing quite well. It's a very well known band from here. It took a little time uh, before we get at something, to be honest. What would be the, the point of Naraxis' career that you're most proud of? I think it will be more uh, the 99, when uh, the, the most solid lineup, uh, mo most known and uh, appreciated lineup with Alex Sirian, Ian Campbell, me, Rob Milley, 
and uh, Yan Tiel. That was like uh, the Passenger to Forlorn and True Beyond era, which was like one of the epic moment of my life with uh, playing as a musician. Just hit the top, the pinnacle. At what point did you, why did you no longer want to be a part of your band? Uh, yeah, that's kind of weird. And some people say like you quit your own band. Something well, that you built, you know? Yeah, but I, almost at the end, I was not feeling in my own band anymore. Uh, especially when decision been coming from inside and some guys like, oh, we're going to do like at least four or five tour next year. And I was like, I'm not very fond to do me, to do a lot of show like this and especially tour that that doesn't pay i was not on sacrifice mode uh, i was 33 when i quit the band most of the guys were like in the mid 20s so i understand that they're they're like eager to move forward and you know and uh, they they thought maybe the band well the band went a little bit a little bit bigger they got signed uh, uh, prosthetic prosthetic record and tour with Cannibal Corpse Necrophages and many DSI so it grows I think it was scaring me because like I was not willing to give more I was like oh maybe one tour per year and maybe work at home and do some money because I was not making money on tour and I'm coming back with bills. So uh, this is like the common thing that happened to most musicians when they're, they're turning in the 30s and it's not different with me. And I think personal, uh, we didn't get along pretty well. I was a, I was pretty a whiny bitch back then. Uh, <laughs> now I, I'm, I'm able to uh, admit uh, my fault. I've been an asshole. <laughs> For some time, <laughs> but you know, you learn with time. You know, I'm still an asshole, but just a little bit more clever. <laughs> <laughs> it's important, to, in hindsight, to always appreciate the mistakes you've made. Uh, plenty I've made as as a learning experience. Yeah, well, what would be some of the biggest mistakes you wish you could take back? Uh, well, yesterday I was dis uh, discussing with a friend online uh, the Voivod show at the uh, Catacombs. Catacomb, the farewell show uh, of Catacomb. Which is sad. It's a DIY venue here in Montreal that is being shut down in the next few days yep. because it got bumped out because of rent hikes and noise uh, complaints. It's, it's getting very expensive. It has the same problem as the Cafe Chaos had. In the past, uh, you know, the building, it's not their own, but they had to pay for uh, for the, the roof or what's breaking. And then taxes raise because, like, you know, you're downtown and everything. There's uh, many condos. So uh, it is funny that, like, a scene that has it has so much local talent, especially young local talent, but there's nowhere for these bands to play. Yeah, is yeah. really what it's coming down to. You can't play Lex is gone, Cafe Chaos you mentioned is gone, Catacombs is gonna be gone. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't leave many options for yeah, smaller well. bands to display and get get those shows under their belts. Comparing to other cities, I think we're pretty pretty okay. I was like I I've been like to Trois Rivières or Quebec City, there's there's not a lot. Montreal, we still have some, uh, like you know, Piranha, uh, Turbo House, uh, Pitts Campus, and Fuffs uh, doing a second room for a little show for a 200 cap. 
So Fuffs yeah. is going to do that? Yeah, well, it's already done. No uh, way. Yeah, yeah. I had no the, idea. The, the, the second uh, upstairs floor. there. Yeah. No way. That's yeah. awesome. So that's yeah. kind of cool. Um, there's Limi Svargos that's almost verge to die. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Trashball not doing any shows. Uh, yeah, there's many. There's like uh, Billy Buck uh, on Masson uh, the east side of the island. There's many little ones. Lalize switch name to another name, but they don't they don't accept metal show anyway. The PA doesn't it doesn't give push much. enough. <laughs> doesn't give much. Metal needs the PA people. I cut you off though. You were saying that you were speaking with someone at the. Yeah, yeah. Well, about my uh, some mistakes. I have many mistakes, but the one I remember the most is uh, when I moved to Montreal. Uh, I live like two corner street from Piggy from Boybot. Uh, it was not my friend, it was like a connaissance, uh, acquaintance. So we walked to the stadium in and our local was just one side of the other. So it was like, we speak a little bit and then, and then, and then, and then uh, one night, I think it was like in 95 at the Purple A's, I was like pretty um, drunk and uh, I was doing DJ back then uh, in the black hole, the second floor of the Purple Haze. And I told to Piggy that uh, Angel Rat and Outer Limit was like very, very crappy albums. <laughs> this is your one connection to him? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not very, very proud of it, but uh, uh, which I regret because t today, like, um, like when Voivod play Fix My Heart from Outer Limit was like the last time I heard it was like maybe in the 90s when Voivod play either at Foof or... Uh, I think it was my, maybe at the, the cat house or the other place, I forgot, uh, where the dome. Uh, yes, yes, the brick. Or La brick. Yes, La brick. So I was like, oh, no, I hate that, that album. That, those two albums was pretty grungy, but it's like 91 and 93, something like that. So I was not very much into it. But uh, with time, I... And you very nicely told him as you were inebriated. Yeah. Well, he died in 2005, but in, two, uh, in year 2000 at Fofon Electric, there was like a huge party compilation that uh, Disco Del Toro, uh, Chantal Arroyo, made at the Fof. It was like a huge party and Piggy was there and uh, I went up to him and was like, sorry, buddy. <laughs> so I'm glad to say him that I'm sorry because like, you know, it's, if he didn't knew it, I would feel bad forever. You would have that hole there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That but void. I, I, I very much, I love very much Angel Rat and Outer Limit now I, I know how to appreciate to the right value it's different concert album well, I was more into Dimension A Trust and Nothing Face so that, that has been done you've transitioned from being the guy on stage which you still do some projects to someone that's off stage but still going on tour now yeah yeah you do lights i'm still a rock star but as a technician that's how at what point weird. did that transition happen and that make it okay because you didn't want to leave and come back with debt being a crew member you tend to leave and yeah, come yeah. Back with a i was coin, working so. for bcr for many years so i have that knowledge i have some knowledge. I'm not saying I'm a, I'm a pro. I'm a guy who have notion of almost, almost everything, but pro and none. So uh, I know how to how things works and shows and stuff like that. And uh, when I left Naraxis, I was saying to myself, I won't tour anymore. I hate touring. Because yeah, my experience I had, the last tour I'd done at the end of 2005, was sleeping on floor. Uh, 
playing before uh, like with an attendance of 15 people especially uh, in uh, San Francisco was one of the worst show we ever had we didn't have the chance to brought out our merch we had been kicked out at 10 really so we're selling merch in the street so we could pay the parking across the street because it cost five bucks to cross the bridge and five bucks to get back and all that time we lost so many money on that on that tour but you know but um and then like well, it was like 2006 i quit the band i worked for uh, cafe chaos as a dj made money first time in many years making money that i could put on the site and going to vacan partisan mm. uh, and then i met cataclysm at the partisan i think in 2007 you had to go all the way to partisan yeah yeah to partisan. meet people from montreal <laughs> that's kind of weird that's kind of weird well the guys were recording live in deutschland uh, dvd and they don't have a light guy so they they asked me it's like well since you're around Would you like to do the lights? And hey. you knew the songs somewhat? Kind of. I know a couple <laughs> songs. I know mostly of the earlier repertoire. It's like, you know, Sorcery and Temple of Knowledge. And the band came back as a new band with Maurizio on vocals. So that was a... And they, they were on that, the, the comeback of Arm of Devastation. So it's it's the big return, one of the uh, biggest return of Cataclysm on in an international scene, but especially in Europe. So I was doing the lights, but with one eye because uh, the the day before I, I was wearing my contact lenses and I got so drunk and I fall asleep and there was a little tiny piece of dirt between my contact lenses and my eyes. My eyes got like like huge pink eye kind of thing. Wonderful. <laughs> so I was like looking like, hey. <laughs> you're gonna trust me trust me we're gonna have a long yeah, career yeah. together <laughs> from there from there the guy were like oh, okay and then next year they were doing prevail uh there which was the new album and they were hiring they were looking for a light guy so they test me for toronto montreal quebec city They were, they were like, oh, that's a kind of okay because like I have a strong reputation, you know. There's a lot of people talking about me. It's not very beautiful most of the time. Everyone knows Stephen Henry or has a Stephen Henry story. Yeah, some people know more me than me myself, or I don't know. <laughs> or they remember more. Of you. Some people I don't know, they know me. It's like that's kind of weird. So like the guy were a little bit scared to deal with me. It's like what we doing with him. So they tried me for three shows and went okay. So and then it's like we're doing the summer slaughter tour, which, which you is and when me. That's when we met, actually. Yeah, yeah. five weeks. Yeah, that was almost intense. six. Yeah, so it was like the longest trek I've never done in my life. Six weeks, almost. You guys are comfy though. You guys are in a bus. We were in that. Yeah, RV yeah, we thing. were in a yeah. bus, and uh, I'm glad. I'm glad. I was like, oh, that's cool. And there, that was your first bus tour. Yeah, first bus bus tour, first bunk, and. I was like, wow, like lots of beer. And, and that was a great summer slaughter. Though. The, uh, the, it was the lineup was amazing. Yeah. This lineup is amazing. Black Dahlia, Cataclysm, Cryptopsy, Despise Icon, Whitechapel. Yeah, opening. The Faceless. <laughs> uh, the Faceless. Born of Osiris. Born of, Born of Osiris. Psychroptic. Psychroptic. Vader. Uh, the Vader? No, no, no. Not yeah. Psychroptic. No. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Uh, oh, yeah. That much? Hey, man. The big lineup. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. That's like a festival did you just did you just pick up doing lights like working at cafe chaos doing dj stuff or is it something uh, that you I just was played doing with lights before while bci doing shows and some band didn't have like man so and and also in parallel 
uh, of all this, there's uh, I was really into punk rock. Skater punk rock like No Fix, uh, Ten Foot Pole, Millen Collins, uh, you know, No Use for a Name, and Bad Religion. You know, the list goes on. And uh, I didn't have money to attend the show, and I was like, I want to see the show, so I was like going in front uh, of the spectrum. Most of the time, the show goes there, and I was just like introducing myself to the bands. I hey, do you have a light guy? No way. And then you'd get in and watch the show and do lights for them. Yeah, yeah. That's badass. I, I done it for Death, too. The last show of Death in 1995. No way. Or Guts and Homicide. The light job is not that amazing, but I was learning <laughs> and I was like... Uh, audacious. Um, you were a hustler. Yeah, the, yeah. The easiest I was like, way to say that. <laughs> I was like, let's go. It's like... So I'm doing a lot in uh, the Cattles back street back then and uh, different venues here and there. Uh, done Cryptopsy with Morbid Angel at the Metropolis. I done, I don't know, hundreds of bands. It's amazing. It's amazing. So I was like learning like this. I'm never going to school for that. I've never gone to school for anything, though. I just learned on the field. But that all that took you from being a reliable, well-known person in the scene to being on tour with Slayer <laughs> in Europe. Let's talk about that story. How did that come about? Oh, that I was. Uh, it's a long shot because uh, Christophe, the light guy from Obituary, it's a, it's a friend of mine since since a long time. Since Cannibal Corpse played with Samael and Grave at uh, at the Cat House, one first biggest show of Stefan Miller BCI. The show was like fully it's all packed. connected. I love it. So like I met Chris there, and uh, he was looking for weed. So I brought him weed, and uh, we got well along, and we keep in touch. Uh, see him uh, when he's coming with Samuel, and uh, he's, he was he was he's still working for car Carcass, Hypocrisy, many 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 metal band. So I like, see him in town and it's like, hey, what what you need? I'm going to see you and stuff like that. So and you remember about me because I helped the band uh, Carcass at the Rockfest. Billy Steer need a triple X, which I have one. So I brought my head to the festival and the guy's like, oh, man, we hold you. Okay, okay, then it's like, and then he, he, he didn't forgot about me. Even it was not with uh, Carcass, but it was with Arbitrary. He needed an assistant for the lights uh, and also like a backliner to help all the gear because you have like maybe four minutes to scram off the stage. After a, a, the Slayer the set. Yeah, like after Arbitrary played the last note, you have to scram the stage within four minutes. Because wow. Anthrax coming in and they have like 15 minutes Change to over. set. It's very tight, 20 minutes. The whole backline had to go Sick. off stage. So with lights, because uh, Christophe brought his own Sick. equipment, yeah. stuff like that. So LEDs and stuff like that, smoke machine, strobes. So I was like, I was like the teeniest guy on that that tour. Like I was like the the unknown. What was that lineup? The, for, just so everybody, in case they're not aware, Obituary, Anthrax, Lamb of God, Slayer. It's a five-week trek, but it was like two shows, one day off, and stuff like that. Arena only. Amazing food. Eating like... I was eating like a pig. It was amazing. 
you go back to the that Stephen Henry, 1987, just discovering metal, telling him that one day you're going to be on tour with Slayer. Uh, I would I would slap myself. <laughs> <laughs> Let's touch on the toilet bowl pictures. <laughs> Anyone that follows Stephen on uh, Facebook, Instagram, he posts pictures of toilets everywhere. I don't know why. I know that you do. Well, you will know. Let's see what it is. You will know. When the Raxis played at first European tour in 2003 with Birdflesh and Hellblazer, that was like the culture shock for me because I've never been out from Canada and USA. It's like when Europe set, set my feet in the airport and I met the first toilet, I was like, oh, this is a very... Uh, Weird toilet. There's one with a kind of uh, the shelf, shelf, yeah, the shit shelf. Yeah, it's like I'm gonna take a picture of it, and then the rest is history. So you just have been doing it since then. Yeah, yeah. But you had a Kodak, like a like a, like a physical camera like a back run, in the day. Yeah, yeah. Back then it was a 35 millimeters, and uh, <laughs> I remember taking pictures. But it was like a running guy again, because like first I was like just curiosity but then like we went to Italy and there's those holes in Turkish the, toilets yes. yeah so that was more fascinating so I have some videos too uh, about it I have like a eight millimeters uh, handicam I have a lot of footage I have tons of footage I'm so lazy you yeah. do that as well too though you're, you're very busy in the scene not only doing lights Being at the shows, you film a lot of yeah, this stuff well, too, and you, you, it goes underneath on YouTube. It's the Team Montreal Metal. How did that come about? What? Why is this something you still do to this day? Uh, well, going to shows, I've uh, been like to thousands of shows in my life, uh, many shows, and I used to be on stage working, playing, or doing lights or whatever. So it's like sit in front of the stage doing nothing annoys me <laughs> you can't so, just watch the so show <laughs> I have to do something and <laughs> since I'm a kid Kodak kind of you know I love taking pictures and uh, video so I was like why not it's like I love taking shots and uh, I call myself like an archivist because I don't see much people taking video shows there's some friend of mine they did videoing their tape trader but i don't tape trade i don't sell unless the band really wanted i'm gonna sell it to them and they have the they could do whatever they want but uh i, I love taking some shots here and there which i video the whole uh voivod set at the catacomb but it's I a bleed, special special night yeah then. but i bleed only one song or two i don't spoil a show i don't want to spoil the whole thing just get a glimpse so like an archive yeah like it's been like 10 years team montreal metal it's amazing uh, yeah, yeah yeah and you it's been like almost like more than two years not even vox and hops is a year and two months old so wow yeah. that grows pretty fast ba baby steps towards greatness baby yeah let's yeah. touch on what you are doing now Naraxis is no longer a thing that's for you but you are doing urban aliens and uh It's more close to the punk rock you were talking about. It's like a mixture of punk rock and yeah, metal. Well, it's it funny. started as a punk rock band uh, with me and Alex Syrien. Back then, Alex was playing drums for us and Despise Icon and uh, In Dying Days. He was a pretty occupied guy. He is the epitome of the word hustler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He burned the candle by both ends uh, and he learned it about it because he cannot play drums. 
Well, you could play drums now, but it's like been so busy with this uh, Obey the Brave and Despise Icon. Everything happens for a reason, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, we were jamming some punk rock songs because Alex loved punk rock. Before he listened to death metal, he was like into punk rock. I can see that. Yeah. So, so we were jamming a couple riff here and there in early 2000. And then it, it turned out that to be songs. So I put up the songs on the shelves and say, well, I'm going to do. And then Urban Alien came uh, born. And we record our first album in 2005. But it was like a long process that we took our time. It was different players in the band uh, until we get uh, Stu and Phil in the band Stu left the band in 2011 we have a new singer as well since 2009 changed a lot of bass player it's 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 hard it's, it's a, no, a, a well, solid lineup well, especially it's, if it's not making any money up no, front. you're not no. making money you have to pay your rent you have to be uh, available at least once per week and you know it's very hard some people getting kids and with it the, the older we get the harder it becomes to yeah, keep yeah, people well, around we're getting a little lazy with time <laughs> as far for urban alien we're recording our fifth album what you're holding it's the cassette it's like uh, ep got it six song with a cover that we uh, pervert <laughs> perverize we pervarize uh that song from michel louvain <laughs> I, I like it because it's always uh, full of humor. Yeah, it's which a, is very Stephen Henry. I think this is probably your yeah, most, but it's the uh, most Stephen Henry band you've ever been in. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not the guy who doing the lyrics. That's uh, pretty ironic because uh, I wanted a, like a straightforward punk rock band, and then some guys came in the band, and then it changed to be metal, punk, uh, some hip hop, sometimes alternative, some rock. It's very hard to pinpoint that band, and and but lyrically, uh, I was not the guy who doing the lyrics. Uh, was a drummer for the three first album and then our new singer done the, that the last recording in the, the new album and we pursued in that same vein not as not as like as raw that we used to because uh, the me too movement it's pretty strong it is <laughs> and maybe that's why movement. we don't make many shows some people are thinking twice before getting us on the on their bill i don't know <laughs> so it's like well stefan miller helped me out at least two or three times and but uh, caron at fofon electric back then book us with daigle abortion some other bands now we're kind of our own, on our own so we're gonna try to make some show we've done one show this year <laughs> well, this year's about to end, so next year you'll have yeah, even more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and uh, the other project, uh, Idiopathetic, it's a friend from Granby. Actually, it's like when before I moved to Montreal, I was jamming some death metal with some friends, which uh, Jeff Brunel and uh, Francis Lalancette, which are the guys who are the first core member of kind of Naraxis. Oh, cool. So, so you went back to your roots. Yeah, I went back to my friends. and but They were saying, was like, oh, we're not very much into death metal anymore. So we make a kind of a groove core alternative, metal alternative band. Cool. So it's a weird mixture from System of Down, Pantera, Slayer, and Danzig, I would say. So and uh, we done one album took five years to record because we have some many issues with the uh, producer and uh, soundman and stuff like that and end up that uh, Jeff Dajne makes the album 
So that's that's kind of cool. We done it. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, Jacob Cashner from Cataclysm. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So we we done this. We were supposed to done a second album, but the guys are very busy with their lives. So uh, I don't know if the band exists anymore. But I have like the second album still. It's written musically, not lyrically. Let's go, uh, idiopathetics. Let's get this going. Yeah. Steven's ready. <laughs> the ball's but, in your court, boys. So there's also Empathy Denied, which was like. I done it like 2005, 2006. We recorded a demo. I have like 13 other songs written. Sounds pretty much Naraxis from that passage through Beyond Era, I would say. There's some song that used to be, they were, they should be, and they, they, they're not on a trilateral pro- progression. There's like at least two songs I wrote for that album, but uh, since we have to respect uh, the time code, yeah. the timeline, uh, um, we have scheduled for the studio and uh, the, the the album release with uh, Willow Tip Record and uh, with Erich and uh, Europe. That was a very very close uh, moment that we were with Erich in Europe. Didn't last long, but uh, so. So I have like another album in my head to bring out under Empathy Denied, and I have like two other projects. Jesus, all you people out there listening, (laughs) if you are looking for someone that has ideas and you want to work with them, hit up Stephen Henry. I have many ideas. I I think I need just some motivation, some drive, or... That could just come by like the key people. Yeah, the key people, because like uh, I'll do it by myself, uh, trying to make a studio of my own uh, at home. I bought the vocal booth. Really? Yeah. Trying to get back to learn again pro tool i'm not a good memory guy i hate myself <laughs> for that so it's like if i'm not working on it on a steady pace it's I'm, not gonna stick around no it's like i'm gonna forget it's a, same for the lights and uh, now it's, it's complicated and it's complicated if he's not touching a light board uh, every week you're gonna lose some notions and uh, that's why i turn out light guy to guitar tech stage guy for cataclysm because I was doing one tour per year and then the man hires me as a guitar tech this year starting this year and now next year we're doing four tour crazy so it's like I, I might be on road for five months because so what happens when, when you're a good crew member, you end up being on tour more than the bands. I won't say that I'm very good, but, you know, it's, <laughs> it's not about talent. Sometimes it's mostly about attitude and uh, how reliable you can be. And your personality in general. Yeah, it's like how I'll, I'll do... If you're, if you're all sunshine roll and Roll with the punches, you know? Yeah, it's very important. It's very important. Steven, you know? thank you so much. Hey. Coming, drinking a beer with me. Hey, chatting great. on Vox and Hops. Greatly appreciate it. Cheers, brother. Hey, thank you very much. And uh, congratulations for uh, your podcast with you and uh, your wife helping you a lot on this. So shout out for her because she's in, uh, uh, she's in the shadow, kind of. She's my she's my guitar tech. No. Oh, yeah? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Jessica. We love you. Yeah. yeah. Cheers. Ciao. Hey, thank you all so much for listening right to the end. I love Steven. I met him, uh, as we mentioned, during this podcast on my first U.S. tour when I joined Cryptopsy back in 2008 on the Summer Slaughter Tour. It was such a crazy, crazy time for me. Having just joined an international touring act, 
It was my first real U.S. tour. I remember the first date of Summer Slaughter. It was in Detroit. It was absolutely insane. I was terrified, but I still had fun. We finished the set. Steven came up to me and handed me this USB key. He's like, here, I videoed your set. Watch it. And uh, I still have that somewhere. So uh, huge shout out to Stephen Henry. Thank you so much for joining the Vox and Hops alumni. You were one of the first people that I wanted to interview when I started this podcast, so I'm super happy I did it. Cheers, Stephen. As always, the best way to support the Vox and Hops podcast is via the Vox and Hops Big Cartel page. The link to that is in the description of this podcast up there right now. We don't have much left because everything's sold out, but I do still have a few of the Vox and Hops branded 9-ounce tasting glasses. I use these glasses at home all the time when I'm sharing craft beer with my friends, and you can do the same if you pick one up on the Vox and Hops Big Cartel page. I hope you guys have a great weekend. I know that I will because tomorrow I'm going to be with my brothers in Ingested and Visceral Disgorge at Fofone Electric alongside The Last 10 Seconds of Life, Cabal, and Flesh Shrine. I hope to see you there. If you're there, come up and say hi to me. I'm super stoked to get some more interviews with my brothers once again. And I hope that you guys remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Fox and Opsets. Well, hey, friends. My name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Again.